Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Shot Clock Scribbles, where we analyze the postponing action of the NBA with an insider's perspective. I'm recording this live on Wednesday, February 28th. It's around 2.40 p.m. Pacific time over here on the West Coast. I meant to record this pod yesterday, but I was under the weather. But I'm feeling much better today, so here we are. In this episode, I'll be a courtside guide recounting the thrilling matchups I witnessed firsthand the clash between the Warriors and the Nuggets on Sunday night at 4 p.m. Pacific time, followed by an electrifying showdown between the Kings and the Heat on NBA TV here in Sacramento at 7 p.m. Before we get started, please make sure to leave reviews and make sure to subscribe to the pod and follow me on Instagram, Shot Clock Scribbles Podcast. I would really appreciate it. All right, let's get started. We're going to start off talking about the Kings and the Heat game on Monday night. The Miami Heat come into Sacramento. They were waiting for the Kings as they had a back-to-back against the Clippers the night before. The Kings lose this one 121-110. to And the Heat had a really good third quarter, and they had a strong start to the fourth quarter as well. The Kings make a rally late in the fourth behind Keegan Murray's efforts, but it was not enough as the Kings lost momentum and didn't show up for the first three quarters. First, let's talk about the leading players from both sides of the ball here. Bam Adebayo led the Miami Heat with 28 points. Keegan Murray, 28 points for him. Adebayo had 10 rebounds. Domas had 14 rebounds. On the assist side, Sabonis had another triple-double. He gets 10 assists. Duncan Robinson actually really surprised me. 11 assists in this game for blocks. Davion Mitchell and Bam Adebayo both having a block. And as far as comparison here, the Miami Heat and the Kings really shot the ball very similar. It's just the Kings' free throws continue to be a problem. 58.3% compared to Miami's 80%. They shot the three ball pretty similarly here. Kings 40.6% and the Heat 36.7%. Those are the main highlights on the team comparison. I wanted to talk about the Heat first. So Triple J, man, Jaime Hackers Jr. had a really good game. This rookie is fundamentally sound, and you can tell he and his staff have made an effort to get better throughout the season already. I have a shot for the Los Angeles Lakers here. I don't know how you miss out on drafting Triple J when he's playing at UCLA, and I don't know how you just make that happen. So you lost one there. He caused a lot of problems. With a few players missing in this game, he had a more aggressive mindset and he put Durant type of numbers. Let's talk about his numbers. He went 12 for 17 from the field, so that's 70.6%. He got into his shots. He likes that mid-post area. You feed him. He had a very good game for a rookie. This guy is really impressive to see in person. He has a really bright future. And it's no wonder that the Miami Heat chose this guy because... He's going to have a long career in this NBA. So as long as he keeps up his work ethic and goes about his business. Bam Adebayo also had a really good game in this one. He goes 11 for 18 from the field. So that's 61.1%. And he went to the line seven times. Notched in six of those. So 85.7%. And he was a plus 11. He had that post-game interview with Dennis Scott. This game was on NBA TV with the Orlando great there. So he had 28 points. And he got to his spot. So the thing about Bam is he doesn't really go for the three-point shots. He's like one of those older players where he's looking to dominate people around the post. So he's looking to post you up, and he typically has an advantage 
it's no wonder that he's an all-star, right? One part of Bam's game that people don't really pay attention to is his assists. He had seven assists in this game. So he is a really good passer out of the pocket. And you double him, he's going to find the right pass. He's going to make the right read. He's a smart, intelligent player, a former Kentucky product. He's also reminding you guys, like, I can play. Because you guys don't really have my name out there when you guys talk about defensive player of the year or just players that are making an impact. He doesn't really shoot too many threes, as I mentioned before. I'm looking at his shot chart here. He only shot one at the top of the arc, and he missed that one. But a lot of his touches are going to be around that elbow area and near the free throw line. He scored a lot of points in the paint. He only scored twice out of the paint. That really tells you that he was looking to be very aggressive in the paint and play bully ball around that area. Kevin Love is another player that also had a good game. He was very instrumental for them. Look, he had 19 points in 15 minutes of action. Those are very good numbers from the vet. He made the most of his limited minutes. He came in. He was a game changer late in that third quarter with making a run and really helped him. He got an and one late there. I think he had a smaller player on him, but he really looked to take advantage of anybody that was really guarding him. He went six out of nine from the field. He shot three threes and he made two of them but he was a plus 10 really helping that team he went to the line six times he made five of those so 83.3 percent for him thomas bryant jimmy butler did not play due to a suspension very good game here from the miami heat the heat culture is a thing i listened to the duke legend shane battier talking with draymond the other day on the podcast he is in a advisory role with the team and he talked about eye tests and analytics and bringing those two together. Those guys are really smart over there. Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra, those guys are winners over there. And it's no wonder that those guys have made the finals two out of the last three years. You can never count this team out. If you're not with their system, they'll ship you right out. You could consistently see guys step up when their notable players are out. That's the whole thing about the heat culture. Next man up mentality. That's basically how they're thinking. I look for them to battle Boston and Milwaukee and Philadelphia at the top of the East because these guys might make the finals again. Let's talk about Duncan Robinson. He actually struggled to shoot the ball in this game. They didn't play a lot of bench players. As I mentioned, they had several suspensions, a couple of DNPs. Duncan Robinson was 1 out of 11 from the field, a mere 9.1%. He shot six threes, made none of them. He was a plus 25, but he only has four points. Haywood Highsmith... Had a good game, 15 points, 6 out of 9 from the field, and 3 out of 5 from the 3-point line. That's another player that gives those guys energy when a lot of their subs or a lot of their starters are out getting a rest. All right, so let's talk about the Sacramento Kings here. I'll just talk about brief numbers. Domas has a triple-double in this one. He went 6 out of 8 from the field, 75%. He only went to the line four times. Honestly, Domas should be getting to the line a lot more. But you know what? The refs suck and they never give him any calls in the paint. They abuse him in the paint and they don't ever really call fouls for Domas. So he, he shot one three and he made it. So he went 100% from the three-point line there. He was a negative 15, however, in this game. Kevin Herter had 14 points in this one. He really struggled with his three ball. He went two out of nine. And from the field, he went 5 out of 15, so 33.3% there. Fox had a decent game, but he also struggled to shoot the ball from 3. In fact, he was 1 out of 5 from the 3-point line. So he's really being more aggressive with, with his 3-point shot this year. But 
he only makes one out of five. And then from the field, he jacked out 24 shots and he made 13 of those. So 54.2% from the field. And he was a negative nine. And the thing about Foxy as well is he didn't really get to the line at all. So you want to have him more aggressive. He's having shoulder pain at the moment. He might be missing the game against the Nuggets to play tonight, I believe. So let's monitor this one. Like I've said before, you really need Fox, your best player, to be available down the stretch of the season. If you need him to sit down a couple of games, you give him a little bit of rest, which I'll also be talking about Steph Curry in a little bit when it, it concerns about rest towards the end of the season here. But also their bench was not very good. They didn't really give him too much help. 17 points off the bench. Malik Monk leads that group with eight points. He struggled to shoot the ball from three. He went all for four. And from the field, he was four out of 10, 40%. And he was a negative 15 in this game. So not the greatest of games from Malik. My sixth man of the year. He didn't really bring too much energy. And he missed a lot of shots. That's just kind of how it is. He played 20 minutes, though, in this one. Trey Lowes. Only had five points in this one as well. He didn't really shoot too many shots. He went two out of three from the field. And he went one out of one from the three-point line. And other numbers here, notable numbers. Chris Duarte, he's not really known for his offensive game. He's more of a defensive-minded player. But he shot it two times and he missed both of them. He shot two threes and missed those as well. So zero points for him. Davion Mitchell, he played about close to 10 minutes. Four points for him. Made all of his shots. He went two out of two. But the biggest player was Keegan Murray. He played 35 minutes in this one and he had 28 points. And he was 10 out of 14 from the field. And he was 6 out of 7 from 3. 85.7% from the three-point line is very good for Keegan. Harrison Barnes didn't really have that great of a game. He went 3 out of 7 from the field. And he went 2 out of 3 from the three-point line. And he was a negative 18 so not very good. As far as the Kings and like my thoughts, they're, they're added late, but it just wasn't enough. So this team remains to be inconsistent and it could bite them in the ass later on. Like I said, they should have done something at the trade deadline, but I think Monte is thinking, hey, I got bigger fish to fry in the offseason. There's a lot more players that are going to become available for me to pick up. And I just don't like where the Kings are right now because their mentality is whenever they play a very good team, the night before, they played the Clippers and beat them. Of course, the Heat were already waiting for you in sack. They were here for a couple of days after their game against NOLA. So they've already been waiting for you guys. And they didn't take the first three quarters very seriously at all. And they decided to turn the engine back on late in the fourth behind Keegan Murray's three-point shots and his defensive play into a dunk, for example. I just think that you have to take every single quarter seriously because you know what? It's a Wild West, man. It's a tough conference, and right now they're sitting in seventh at the moment. So you have Dallas right behind you. Dallas just lost yesterday to that buzzer beater. Max Drews makes a three from way deep in his half. And Golden State's right behind your ass as well. They're ninth, and then the Lakers are tenth. And you got Phoenix at sixth, Nola at fifth. And then the top four are going to probably remain the same. So you're not going to really get home court advantage this year. So you're going to be on the road if you do make the playoffs. So we have Minnesota number one, OKC two, Denver three, LA Clippers number four. So you really need to get back to playing your ball. And you know what? The Heat made it very difficult for the Kings in this game because they went into a zone. 
that's really why you saw the Kings not really make too many threes. In fact, they put up a lot of threes and they had 32 threes in this one, which tells you that the zone was a tough one to crack and they have attempted 2,263s this season. So I feel like they jack up close to like 45 threes a game. I don't really have the direct number in front of me right now. Boston Celtics shoot the most, 2,451 as of data of today. And something worthwhile to note as well is Fox turned over the ball seven times. He had seven turnovers in this game. Not very good from your starting point guard as the 6'3", 185-pound former Kentucky walk. And that just shows coaching from Eric Spolstra. He's one of the best paid coaches in the league, top three, and you see why. So paying attention to detail, preparation, knowing what, what the Kings are good at and how you can slow down their offensive threat both games this year the heat have played very good zone on the kings they show them the zone action they know when to go man to man that's the thing about the heat is they had a really good set game plan they came into this game very prepared for the kings here all right the next game we'll be talking about here is the warriors versus the denver nuggets the defending champions the nuggets beat the warriors 119 to 103 i had a lot of fun at this game I drove my car to Vallejo, then I took a ferry into the city on my bike, and then I rode my bike to my friend's house, and then we took some scooters to the game. So a lot of transportation and all that, and it was a fun day. I went down there early Sunday morning, and I came back in the afternoon on Monday. Just a quick note about Chase Arena. It's one of the best arenas in the NBA. Obviously, I haven't been to all the arenas, but I love the Chase center they have good food of course everything is pretty pricey when you get down to their food and drinks but that's expected whenever you go to ball games but if you are a chase customer there's certain discounts that they have ended up getting lucky and ended up getting some free food shout out to the ladies working behind the counter there let's go ahead and break down this game as the nuggets beat the warriors let's talk about leading players in this game we'll start off with points first Jokic had 32 points. Klay Thompson, 23 points. On the rebound side, Joker, 16 rebounds. Brandon Podemski with 6 rebounds. On the assist side, the Joker had a triple-double, which we'll be talking about in just a moment here. He had assists for a big man, which is fucking insane. Podemski has 4 assists. And then for the blocks, we have Trace Jackson, Davis the third with 2 blocks. And Zeke Naji on the Nuggets with one block. Basically, the Nuggets had a 14-0 run to finish the end of the second quarter, and they put their foot on the gas pedal, and there was no looking back. Clay had a very good game to start off. He didn't have any points in the second half. Clay has 23 points. He went 7 out of 15 from the field, 38.5% from three here. Let's talk about the Nuggets first, because these guys are an impressive team, and honestly... They might go back-to-back. They have a really good chance to do that because they have absolutely dominated the Warriors. They've won 10 out of the last 11 games against them, so that's just really astounding numbers there. The Joker had a good game. He played a team-high 36.4 minutes in this one. He went 54.2% from the field, shot six threes and made two of them, so 33.3%, and he was a plus 20 for them. Another big contributor, KCP, in this one, 13 points, 
five out of nine from the field and two out of four from the three-point line. The thing about KCP is he plays very good defense on Steph, which we'll be talking about in just a moment, how the Nuggets really disrupt Steph's rhythm with those long guards and long wings that they have. Jamal Murray had a pretty damn good game as well. The Batman to the Robin, 27 points, nine out of six from the field and three out of five from the three-point line, went to the line six times and made all of them. Impressive numbers from Jamal. You really want Jamal to be healthy. They're sitting in the fourth spot in the West. Do you prioritize his health or do you want to have home court advantage? That's what they're dealing with there. Do you rest Jamal certain games, bring him in in some games? That's the biggest thing that really the Nuggets have to figure out. Which one is more important? Having your healthy point guard or having home court advantage? I've always talked about their bench. Their bench doesn't really score a lot of points. Michael Porter Jr., he's always going to try to look for his bucket. He really struggled to shoot the ball. He only had nine points, one out of six from the three-point line, and three out of 11 from the field. So 27.3% from the field for MPJ. I did say what's up to him at the team hotel at the St. Regis there in San Francisco. Aaron Gordon played very well, 70% from the field, and he was a plus 21 for the team and led the team in that category. He's growing into a really nice player. I listened to Draymond's podcast too after the game. He said when he came down to the playoffs, he really saw the physicality and how different it was from the regular season. Gordon's one of those players. He's big and you ain't going to try to post him up. Don't try to post him up because he's a really polished player and his physical. Him and the Joker, that's a really big backcourt there. He had Clay as a matchup several times and he just backed him down and just bullied his way. He just made it look way too easy. Clay could not guard Aaron Gordon at all. He bullied whoever he was playing to his spots and he doesn't get talked about often. He's one of their key pieces. He was vital to them winning a championship last year. The big thing out of this game is the Joker, man. The Joker had an amazing game. Triple-double, walking triple-double. He's one of my favorite players to watch. He was sensational. And Draymond or Looney or whoever was guarding him really did not have an answer for him at all. He dominated this fucking game. And this is a center, folks. He has 16 assists in this game. So that's not a guard. This is your center doing that. He makes it look easy. He puts his teammates in really good positions. It's almost like he has eyes in the back of his head. He always knows where his players are. He might look one way and throw it another. He's just one of those players where, like, on TV... He makes it look so easy, but when you see him in person, this is my third time seeing him in person. First time was at the Bull Arena in 2022 in November when they played the Atlanta Hawks, Trey Young there. He just makes everything look so easy. He's one of my favorite players to watch uh, in person because, dude, you don't know what he's going to do. And one thing that I want you guys to also take a note of is he runs the floor really hard. For a center, he's looking to get up and down that court. The Nuggets... And the second on a 14-0 run, that's really what sparked the momentum. Jamal Murray hit a three to end the half to level 61-61 going into the break. And Jamal was 60% from three. And the matchup between him and Curry, I just talked about it a little bit ago, but he has some weight and height advantage that makes it very hard for Steph. And he made it look easy. He doesn't care about that all-star snub. He wants to win championships. That's literally what he said. He's like, all right, you guys aren't going to pick me. It's all good. I'm all about business. I'm all about winning that championship. And that's all I care about. Pretty good mindset from your starting point guard. If he remains healthy, these guys can get far again. But you really want Jamal to be healthy. He's not really talked about as far as like one of the best players in the NBA. But he does it very quietly and he's very efficient. Switching gears now to KCP, 
played very good defense. He went 55% from the field, but it's his defense, like I talked about, that you don't really see on the box score. He's going over the screens. He's trying to get back to Steph and disrupt his shots, and that's why Steph really struggled to shoot the ball. He went 1 for 10 from 3. I can't believe I went to a Warriors game that Steph went 1 out of 10 from the 3-point line. Just absolutely insane. KCP is a vital point in that. The Nuggets, man, they have the 15th hardest schedule in the league. So in the middle of the pack, they are 17 and 14 away. And they're really good at home. In fact, they're really fucking good at home. 22 and 5 at the Bull Arena in Denver, Colorado there. The Nuggets have dominated the season, really, with this matchup like I talked about before. But it's those long athletic wings. Christian Braun, 6'8". KCP, 6'5". So the matchups aren't favorable, like I talked about, but the biggest thing is the health of Jamal Murray. All right, let's talk about the Golden State Warriors here, or the San Francisco Warriors. So I listened to Draymond's show the other day, and he was praising the Joker and how he basically got torched by him all night, and that's really the difference maker in this game. And that's pretty much it. Looney and Draymond did not have an answer for the Joker. The Dubs missed a few crucial free throws, and that might have decided if they were going to get a little bit closer to the Nuggets or not. So JK, Jonathan Kaminga missed a couple free throws. They shot themselves in the foot several times. They, they had a lot of turnovers in this game, 17 to be in fact. But sure, they were down like 10 points with maybe three, four minutes left to go. But the game was still in their hand. But like I said, crucial turnovers. Draymond turned the ball over. He got lucky. There was one play where he tried to feed JK and they fouled JK and he went to the line. But he had a turnover. He passed the ball to Brendan Podemski, and that was the over and back. They turned it over a lot in this game. There was one play where Steph, it hit his hand going out of bounds, and they challenged it, and they were unsuccessful, and they lost that possession. So I think those few possessions towards the end of the game really got away from the dubs, and the Nuggets basically punished them. They executed the offense very efficiently, the Nuggets did, because every single time that the Warriors missed their opportunity, the Nuggets made him pay. And so Jamal Murray and the Joker went to their one-two punch, screen and rolls. They were just efficient. Those guys are really hard to beat. Let's talk about Steph real quick. So Steph really struggled to shoot the rock in this one. He went one out of 10 from three, and I can't believe he went one out of 10 from three. That's really unusual. But look for him to really bounce back, especially when he has bad shooting nights. He usually comes back and has a pretty good shooting game. I'm recording this on Wednesday, and he played yesterday against Washington. It wasn't looking good for him as well. In fact, yesterday against Washington, he went 6 out of 21 from the field. So 28.6%. He jacked up 16 threes and only made four of those. So 25% well below his season average. And he went to the line twice and, of course, made both of those. I think with him is like, you got to rest him, man, because he has a lot of wear and tear. I listened to him after this game. The, the Warriors and Nuggets game, the reporter asked him if he deserves a rest. And he basically said, no, this is typically what they're going to always say. Competitors want to keep playing, especially with him having four titles and going for his fifth. He wants another one. So I listened to Steve Kerr. They asked him too. It looks like Steph's a little tired. Do you plan to rest him? That's a good point you may. I'm going to talk to Rick and see what they need to do moving forward. Of course, he really didn't get that rest as he played 30 minutes yesterday against the Washington Wizards. It might be time for him to get a little bit of a rest. They have crucial matchups here. They're sitting in the ninth spot in the West, and they play the Knicks tomorrow, the 29th, 
and then Boston on the thirds. But something to note, Steph went scoreless in the first time since 2019. The Wizards hold him to zero points in the first half. And he has a lot of miles on him. Of course, the All-Star game and All-Star weekend, it's not a rest because these guys are doing media and press as well as still getting shots up and all that. But a lot of what the All-Star weekend is, it's a lot of press. It's a way for these companies to make money, all their sponsors, a lot of interviews and so forth. So no, the All-Star break is just not a break for these guys. Let's talk about Clay real quick. So Clay was hot in the first half and he was held scoreless in the second half. So 23 points for him. He really cooled off. Something that I'm seeing from Clay sometimes is he jacks up shots that he typically does not throw up. What I mean by that is he's not really in rhythm and it just looks like it's very forced. He has a quick release like Steph does too, but there are some points where I question his shot selection. And I don't know if this is anything to do with the whole contract situation that he has with the Warriors. Obviously, he's made peace with where he's at and what lies ahead. He's not going to be in the league for that much longer. He says he doesn't want to play 240 like LeBron James because it's very exhausting. Shooters are going to shoot. You got to just keep shooting the rock. Let's see how he continues the rest of the season as he's starting on the second unit now. All right. Let's look at the box score. Steph did have 20 points in this game despite going 1 for 10 from 3. He went to the line 8 times and made 7 of those. He was 6 out of 19 from the field. It's 31.6%. Jonathan Kaminga... Was pretty efficient in this game. He went 50% from the field and he went to the line 13 times. What that tells me is JK is looking to be aggressive and get to that line and really make the refs make a call. That's what you got to do. He's a strong player. He wants to punish people in the paint. You got to do what you got to do. Gary Payton, he didn't score at all in this game. He only played up close to 14 minutes. He only had one shot and he missed it. Something to note from the bench is they didn't really get too much help. So Trace Jackson had six points. Salrich had four points. Looney, he's kind of de deteriorated as far as minutes goes. He had close to 10 minutes in this one. Doesn't score any. Shot it up one time. Missed it. Lester Kionis played 14 minutes. He went two from four from the field. But he did hit both of his threes that he shot. Draymond Green had seven points. Of course, a lot of stuff with Draymond you're not going to really see in the box score here. But 27 minutes and he went 3 out of 6 from the field. And he made the lone 3 that he shot up. Let's see how these dubs do for the rest of the season. They have a tough stretch of games to end the season here. Alright. So, as the final buzzer sounds, we wrap up another exhilarating episode of Shot Clock Scribbles. Thank you for joining me as we delved into the highs and lows of the NBA's latest matchups on Sunday and Monday. Don't forget to subscribe and stay tuned for more insights, analysis, and courtside perspectives. Until next time, keep your eyes on the shot clock and I'll catch you in the next episode. Tap in and stay in the game and make sure you guys subscribe and follow to the podcast, leave some reviews, and give me some love on YouTube and Instagram, Shot Clock Scribbles Podcast. All right, guys, until next time. Cheers.